this morning. We worship you and we exalt you, God.
sound I will not be silent The song is my triumph I enter the gates with nothing but thanks I want to magnify your worth I want to bring you more than words I enter the gates Come reckless with praise I'll bring a heart that wants you first It's so good to see you all. Thank you for coming to church today. How do you all feel? You feel good to be in the house of the Lord? You know, I woke up this morning and I was just thankful. I was thankful to have life. I was thankful to have breath in my lungs. I was thankful that even though maybe things don't look good, I have a future and a hope with Jesus. It was such a wonderful day to wake up this morning. I hope you feel the same way too. Well, today we have just some, uh, a few quick announcements. Uh, we have uh, the elementary and the youth lessons this week. Elementary on Facebook at uh, 1230. It's going to be my mom teaching. And we have special guests, Pastor Chuck as Puppet Ernie and Rosie as Puppet Lola. Okay, so you're not going to want to miss it. It's all of my present week two. Salvation is now. We're teaching the kids that they need to get saved now. Not tomorrow, not in a month, not in a year, but now. Um, then also for the youth, Sully and Karen are going to be teaching on all of my, uh, 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 keep the weeds out. They're going to be talking about keep the weeds out and how they balance being in ministry together and being uh, a couple. They're going to be talking about the relationship and how they balance ministry with their relationship. And they've got some fun things planned, so you don't want to miss that. Also, I wanted to let you know, on November 29th, I'm going to be interviewing Matthew Amwako. He's going to be back 
from Notre Dame. He's coming back November 22nd, so we're going to interview him all about his first semester in college. For those of you don't, who don't know, uh, Matthew Amwako got a scholarship to go to Notre Dame, and he's um, you know, a regular, he's from the youth group in our church. So we're really excited to hear how his first semester was, and we'll talk all about what it was like during COVID at Notre Dame for his first semester. Um, also, I just got word from Rebecca. Rebecca is going to let me interview her for the month of December, so be watching out for that in the next couple months for the youth and young adult broadcast. Uh, then also, I wanted to let you know, Operation Christmas Child, next, next Sunday is your last Sunday to bring your boxes in. So if you haven't grabbed a box, grab a box out there, bring it in next Sunday because we have to turn it in um, after church next Sunday. And you can also drop it off during the week. My parents are here from two, on Tuesday and Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's you know personal time with pastor if you want to spend some time with them. If you have some questions, if you uh, need some help, if you need some prayer, uh, they're always here for you Tuesdays and Thursdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If you don't know, they've been upstairs in the second floor completely renovating it. There's new furniture. There's a woman's ministry office. There's a, a, the pastor's office was redone. The administrative office was redone. We're reserving a young adult room. We've got a lot of stuff going on upstairs. The prayer room is completely redone, um, repainted, so it looks really great upstairs. So uh, that's what they've been doing during, during all of what's going on. Uh, then also Thanksgiving next week. November 22nd, I think we have a, a little slide for those at home. We're going to be doing testimony time. We're going to be doing testimony time. We've got three testimonies lined up. We're really excited about that. So come back next week to hear everything that God's been doing and how we can be thankful to him even during a pandemic. Uh, then also, my dad's going to be teaching on how, to how we can truly give thanks unto the Lord. All right? We don't want to just uh, have Thanksgiving go by and not remember how we can be thankful unto the Lord. Also, for Christmas, I don't, we don't have anything to announce yet, but we are making plans for Christmas to have a special Christmas program. We're probably going to be on the lawn, but you know what? That's okay. You know why? Because our Lord and Savior was born in a manger. He had no place to lay his head, just like we have no place to meet inside a building, right? But it's okay because it's just like what happened in the Bible with the manger, all right? So we're going to celebrate Christmas here out on the lawn. Uh, and stay tuned for that. We'll have more, um, more information on that uh, coming up in the coming weeks. Then lastly, if you want to uh, give your tithe or offering or if you want to donate, you can uh, drop a check or money off on that red box at the welcome table. You can donate online uh, at newheartforyou.com slash giveonline. We're going to put the website up on the broadcast for people at home. And or you can mail a check to 380 East Covina Boulevard, Covina, California, 91722. Well, anyway, we are so excited um, to have all of you here today. Now what I'm going to do is we are doing this, uh, we are doing like a children's sermon, a youth sermon, a women's sermon. Today I'm going to give the youth sermon for all the youth that are here today. We're going to be talking about a phrase. I like to take phrases in popular culture. And, and, and filter them through the Word of God. Remember we talked about don't hate, we talked about you be you and whether or not these are scriptural and, and what, what, what's based on the Bible and what's not. Well, today we're going to talk about... That was easy. Did you all hear that? That was easy. 
Okay, that was easy, all right? You know, Staples has done an amazing marketing job because I hear that phrase all the time. Well, that was easy. Well, we have to remember um, that's a tagline, but my question for you is, is there an easy button in the kingdom of God? How many of you think there's an easy button in the kingdom of God? How many of you think there's not an easy button in the kingdom of God? That's right. There's no easy button in the kingdom of God, unfortunately. Matthew 7, 13 through 14 actually tells us this. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way, which leads to life, and there are few who find it. You know, this, this verse often is contrary to our modern understanding of what life is like. You know, we have our instant coffee, we have our fast food, we have the entire world at the touch of our fingertips on our phones. So a lot of times we think in terms of convenience and what's easy. But, you know, in Scripture, Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. A lot of times we have problems, we have hurts, we're rejected, we're sad, we're bored, we're lonely, we're hungry, and we think that hitting a button that was easy is going to solve all of our problems. But you know, oftentimes it may make us feel better in the short term, but in the long term we're really cutting ourselves short. We're preventing ourselves from developing the character that the Bible says, and we're not leaning on the Holy Spirit to help us solve our problems. And you know what happens when we do that? Our problems only get worse. They only get worse. You know, many of the youth know that we don't want them on their smartphones at camp or at church or during youth group. But I want to take the time to explain why. And it relates to this idea of that was easy. I think in our culture today, and especially in our youth and young adult culture, we don't want to face the difficult problems that build character. We don't want to, you know, uh, say I'm sorry. We don't want to say, hey, I was wrong. But, you know, Social media, our phones, they're a big distraction. And what happens is it's a distraction that helps us mask the pain or mask the problems that we're going through. Because all we got to do is hit a little easy button that was easy. on our phones. Social media app, texting app, phone app, Instagram, the gram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on Parler. If you want to join Parler, join Parler. Um, and so when you feel this way, you'll, feel, you'll say, I feel sad, I feel depressed, I feel rejected, I don't feel valued, I'm hungry. You go on Facebook and you see all these things that help distract you and keep you from really dealing with what's going on in the inside of you when we should be turning to the Holy Spirit. We, and then when we go on social media, we follow the wrong people and we buy into the lies by following these people or being persuaded by the wrong things. Sully has been talking about how our thoughts turn into actions. So if we're following and reading and watching videos and posts online that aren't in line with God's word, we're going to start doing things that are not in line with God's word. 
And let me tell you, these social media companies, they know how to manipulate you. Facebook, I've watched a, a, a documentary on how Facebook knows that social media and Facebook is completely addictive. That like button, you just want to go and see how many likes you have. You want to post, and you only want to post what's going to get the most likes. They know how to get you to be addicted. And Google knows, Google, they get information on you. They know whether or not you're a Christian. They know what your politics are. And you know what they do? They tailor the search results in Google based on who you are to get you to believe in lies. Social media gathers information on you and gets you to believe in lies. All right? And then what happens is we start believing the lies. We start saying to ourselves, if I sleep with this guy or girl, I'll feel better. If I take drugs, it won't hurt anyone. It's just a decision that only affects me. I can watch pornography to numb the pain without any consequences. If I can look like that guy or girl, somehow I'll be happy. But you know what? You'll never look like that guy or girl because Facebook isn't real. It's a fake reality. There's no way we can obtain what we see in Hollywood or on social media. It's not possible. The problem is that those apps are lies and are a short-term fix. And then you get trapped in addiction because you start to believe those lies. But there's long-term consequences associated with believing those lies. Social media can be addictive. And like I said, it's manipulative. You can easily manipulate a YouTube video to pull on someone's heartstrings and say, yeah, you know what? That's the truth. That's right. When really, they've cut all kinds of stuff out that you don't know about. It's very easy, video and media, to convince you of a lie. Um, uh, they have, uh, uh, using social media in an unhealthy way can lead to severe anxiety, depression, sin, and addiction. If you ever feel yourself getting anxious on social media, take a break for a while. Take a break until the anxiety goes away. All right? I'm not saying you can't be on social media. I'm on social media. The church has social media pages. You can use social media in a healthy way, but there is a dark, unhealthy side to social media as well. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. You will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon them swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. But in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. And you know what? That's what social media companies are doing. They're exploiting us, and they're exploiting our youth, and they're exploiting our young adults in order to make money. Selling sex, pornography, and all kinds of other lies. And we can't let them do that. We cannot hit the, social, we cannot hit the easy button. That was easy. And, and solve all of our problems through social media. And like I said, this doesn't mean social media is inherently bad. But beware of those false prophets on those platforms. And ensure you are following and taking in positive and godly examples. You know, I'm in a cohort with Angie Ritchie at LPU, and she said, by agreement, you, you allow spiritual things into your life. And following someone on social media is agreement. You are allowing that bad stuff into your life if you follow someone who is not godly or who is not following God's word. 
So we have to be mindful of that. So thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. It's good to see all of you. I hope that was an encouragement to you and, and um, an exhortation uh, to be aware and to be mindful of how you're being impacted because a lot of us take this stuff in and we don't even realize it. So thank you. Have a great week. And uh, we're going to have a song from Annie. All right, everyone. We're going to do one more song. So if you want to stand and worship, I encourage you. Right now, we need the Holy Spirit, right? Our world needs the Holy Spirit. So let's invite the Holy Spirit into those aspects of our life. We know that God is here, right? So let's give him permission to make a change in us, to make a change in our world, all right? Okay. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close no thing can compare you're our living hope is jesus your presence i've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence lord holy spirit you are welcome here and holy spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the
of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become more aware of your presence let us experience the glory turn me up a little bit okay that's good that's good i'm out in the, on a sunny day in california and i know some of you may be watching us via youtube or facebook and you may be uh, in a place that's pretty chilly but it's hot in california i think it's like 80 degrees today um so praise god so i'm standing here barefooted in the grass bringing the word of god so father we just thank you and we call it done would you open your bibles to with me to the book of genesis and we're going to um take a look at what i feel for me for me is an a really really uh important message uh i want to talk about today the power of 10. i said the number 10 the power of 10. Um, it's a message that the lord uh, has given me into res in response to everything that i see going on around me God spoke to me about the power of 10, and I want to share it with you. Amen? Amen. So I want to talk about Abraham. And one of the things that I love about Abraham, because, you know, uh, uh, there were so, so many prophets in the Bible that prophesied, you know, uh, things to come, good things, bad things, and all the things that were in between. But one thing I like about Abraham, and I want you to, to mark this in your Bible in Isaiah 41, 8, because this is my goal. This is my quest. It says, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have cho chosen, the seed of Abraham. Abraham, my friend, <laughs> okay? Well, I mean, how awesome is it to be called 
a friend of God's, okay? He, he never referred, you don't see Abraham talking about, you know, as uh, the prophet of God or, 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 or the priest of God or uh, the man of God. He just <laughs> called a friend of God. Isn't that awesome? Do you know what it's like to have a friend? It's, that means that it, you can talk about anything. Um, you can kind of joke around with one another. You know, you can have all kinds of discussions. You can ask all kinds of questions. And Abraham had this relationship with God that was unlike God liked Abraham. He not only loved him, he liked Abraham. And so I said, you know what, God, how awesome it is that, you know, um, I mean, we hear about like people, you know, prophesying. Ooh, the sun is like, I got to take this off because the sun is beating down on me. <laughs> okay. Uh, um, we hear about prophesying but God didn't speak to Abraham as he was speaking to a prophet he spoke to Abraham as he was talking to a friend and I just thought that was an awesome thing so listen if you want to hear from God if you want a, wor a word from God if you want to know the things that are to come in your life and the things that the revelations that you need the information that you need the understanding that you need the wisdom that you need you need to talk to God as a friend okay don't worry you know all of these you know the spiritual gifts of people I God I just want to be your friend because I know that we are friends that you're going to talk to me like a friend and you're going to tell me those things that are going to protect me that are going to help me that are going to enlighten me so um so that's one of the things I want you to keep that in mind as we go into this conversation uh that uh that Abraham has with God because um in the uh um in Genesis, if you look with me in the, <laughs> in the 18th chapter of Genesis, uh, it's, it says that, in, uh, that Abraham had three visitors. This is true, three visitors. And it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham, chapter 18 of uh, Genesis, it said, the Lord appeared to Abraham uh, near the great tree at Mamre. Okay, and it was, and this tree later became known as the Oak of Abraham. It was a great sprawling tree where they sat under the tree and barbecued and had conversations, you know, and uh, felt the breeze and whatnot. So it says this, uh, uh, near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, kind of like today, huh? I see. You, you guys can't see it out there, but we have people on the church lawn, and they're sitting kind of like under canopies um, uh, with their man gone hallelujah you know and they're kind of enjoying a, a nice warm day okay and it said Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing nearby notice I said three okay and when he saw them he hurried from the entrance of the tent uh, to meet them and he bowed down to the ground and he says if I found favor in your eyes my lord uh, do not pass your servant by he says let me give you a little water and he goes on to prepare this big feast for these visitors he understands that these are not uh, because remember uh, Abraham is he is talk to God in the past he has a relationship with God so he understands when something spiritual is afoot okay so he recognizes that these are spiritual beings and so uh, but God has sent them in the form of humans and so Abraham hurried and he goes and fix this uh, this uh, banquet and then in verse 10 he said then the Lord said uh, uh, um, 
Uh, oh, okay. Let me let me tell you this too. Not only did God talk to Abraham in this passage of scripture, but He also talks to Sarah, and I love this because you know, which means that Sarah was also a friend of God because it says that He's talking to Abraham and He's having this conversation. He says, "Look, this time next year, you're going to have a child. Sarah's going to give birth to a child." And Sarah's listening from inside the tent, and she says, "What? You got to be kidding! How can I have a child?" And then He goes into this conversation with his, with Sarah. He says, did, did you laugh at me? Is anything too hard for me? And Sarah says, no, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did. You're not telling the truth. Now, that's how friends talk. That's why I'm just so excited about this passage. Um, he says, but next time this year, he says, you're going to have a child. Now, um, they're in the tent, uh, so he talks to her. Um, now, I want to go down a little bit. Because it says in verse 16, and this is, this is where we're getting to, the power of 10. Uh, when the men got up to leave, um, they looked towards Sa Sodom, uh, and Abraham walked along with them on the way. Then the Lord said, because the Lord is with them, the angels and the Lord, they're talking to Abraham. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham of what I'm about to do? Now, he's talking to the angels that are with him, and he's saying, uh, and you know, I, I, I can't even imagine what form the Lord might have appeared in. I don't know whether Abraham is just hearing his voice, but he's actually seeing the angels in the form of men. I don't know. It doesn't tell us, but we know that God is talking to Abraham in this setting. And he says, shall we hide from Abraham from what we're about to do? He, and so it's almost like the clue is saying, well, come on, he's one of us. You know, we need to just let him in so he can just just know what is afoot, what is about to happen. And Abraham, he says, will I hide from him? Abraham, will, because Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation. All the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the ways of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he promised him. I just love this. You got to hear this. He says, listen, he said, I already chosen Abraham. I'm not only going to bless Abraham, but I'm going to, but I'm making him a promise now that I'm going to bless his children. What I promised him, it's going to come to pass. Now, remember, he's talking to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your children. Abraham doesn't even have any children yet. Okay, he, he just told Sarah, you're going to be pregnant next year, but no children have come and they have waited almost a hundred years to see any sign that Abraham would have children. But God says, I'm going to keep my promise to you now. I want everybody to, face, to fasten your seatbelts because we're going to go into deep water. Okay. He says, then the Lord said to Abraham, remember, I said, this message is called the power of 10. It says, then Abraham said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah are so great and their sins are so grievous that I will go down and see what they have done. Uh, if they have done as if the as, as the outcry says has reached out to me, if not, I will know it. He says, I'm, I'm here. He said, I'm going to take one. I came down here to take one close look at Sodom and Gomorrah because there is so much sin. Uh, the stench of it has reached the heaven, the things that they're doing in this city. 
So I had to come down and take a closer look before I decide whether or not I'm going to destroy the city. What's the name of my message? The power of 10. Don't forget that. Okay. He says, I, I'm, I'm here to make a decision whether I'm going to let this city continue or whether I'm going to destroy this city. Now, Abraham started thinking, you, you're getting ready to, to, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Now, he doesn't say this to God, but I, I can hear Abraham in his heart. He, you know what he's saying? Wait a minute. I got family in Sodom. My nephew Lot is in Sodom. His family is in Sodom. Now, let me tell you something. Lot is his nephew, but really, Lot is his surrogate son. Because, <laughs> I mean, he has gone through a lot. First of all, God told him to leave his original home. Don't take your family. You go by yourself. Somehow, Lot, got talked him in. You know, I want to go with you, uncle. So he takes Lot. He goes into a place that God had prepared that was beautiful. Lot starts to prosper. Abraham starts to prosper. Lot's people start fighting with Abraham's people. Abraham says, look, nephew, just tell me what you want, and whatever's left over, I'll take it. And he says, I want that nice green pasture over there. Well, the nice green pasture he was talking about was Sodom, okay? The place that God was about to destroy. So now Lot and his family are living over in Sodom. Uh, you, you think that was enough? There was a war that broke out. And Lot was taken captive. Abraham has to put an army together. He has to go and rescue Lot. And he rescues Lot. The king of Sodom comes and thanks Abraham. What I'm trying to tell you, there's a lot of history here. This is just not an isolated thing that God is telling him about what he's about to do. Uh, um, um, Abraham knows the king of Sodom. His family is there. And a lot of us are in situations where we're saved. We're walking with God, but we have family. <laughs> Come on. We're saying, wait a minute, God, don't destroy us yet. I got family, okay? God, I need my family saved, please. And so he does something that no one in the Bible has ever done with God. He opens up a negotiation with God. And only a friend can negotiate, <laughs> okay, in the way that Abraham did. And so he says, he says, look, he says, God, he says, I, I, I know that this is kind of presumptuous of me, but, uh, but he said, but I, I, I want to I ask you something. I, I want to ask you this. He says, if we find, verse 26, chapter 18, the, uh, the Lord says, he says, I'm sorry, verse 25, he says, if, if we find 50 righteous people in the city, will you not destroy it? And the Lord says to him, he says, the Lord said, if I find 50, when I examine Sodom, and Sodom, he says, when I find 50, if I find 50 righteous people, I will spare the whole place for their sakes. So Abraham starts thinking, he says, wait a minute. Oh, my goodness. He says, now Sodom is kind of out there. I don't even know if I can even identify. He can identify 50. He says, I better go back and, and change this. Then Abraham spoke up again. He says, uh, uh, now I, I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. He humbles himself. What if the number of the righteous is less than 50? Will you destroy the city? And if, you, if, if I find 45 there, he said, <laughs> I will not destroy it. Once again, he spoke to him. Oh, what only if 45 are found there? He said, for the sake of 40, I will not do it. 
Then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if, gonna, if, 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 uh, if 30 can be found there? And he answered, I will not do it if I find 30 righteous people in the city. And Abraham said, okay, this is, this is, a, this is my last appeal, okay? He says, Lord, uh, uh, now I, I, I hate to be so bold to speak to the Lord. What if 20 can be found? He says, for the sake of 20, I won't destroy it. Then he said, may the Lord not be angry with me, but let me speak just this one last time. What if only 10 can be found there? And he answered, he said, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. And that's why I want to talk to you about the power of just 10 righteous people. 10 righteous people can save a city. It doesn't have to be a uh, hundred people or a thousand Christians. And a lot of us think, well, when we think about the church, we think about, oh, we have to have a church with 1,500 members, 3,000 members. We have the whole uh, community of saints. He says, do you know that God will save your city if he just finds a handful, just 10 righteous people? So what I ask God this, this is, this is what I asked God, Charles. I said, what do 10 pe righteous people look like? And I want you to write these scriptures down because this is important. Because right now we are talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. But we are also talking about our cities, the city that you live in, the city that I live in. And we're saying this to you, that we don't need 100,000 people or 70 million people. We just need 10 there is power in the 10 in 10 righteous people, enough power to save a city. How many of you want to see your city saved? How many of you want to see your family saved? How many want to see your community saved? How many, how many of you want to just see homelessness just leave our city and all the crime and, and mayhem? How many of you want to see these plagues lifted off of our city? Let me tell you something. It doesn't take 100,000 people praying. The Bible says that Abraham negotiated 10. 10 righteous people. The power of 10 can change everything. And so I asked God, I said, what does, what does righteousness look like? What are the 10 righteous things that we can do or that we can become? So I, I'm, I'm looking for 10 people today. Just 10, 10, because let me tell you something. You say, well, what, what's so important about 10? Okay, well, the 10 commandments, okay? How many laws did he give us to follow that, that would please God? 10, 10 commandments, okay? So when, when, when Abraham had an encounter with Melchizedek, what did he give him? He gave him a 10th. He gave him a tenth of everything that he took. That's what the tithe is, the tenth, okay? Don't you remember the ruler that, uh, that went away and, and, and left his ten servants with ten talents? And he said, don't bury these ten talents. Invest your ten. So ten is a critical number if you just follow the scriptures. So I want to talk about the ten things. Ten things, and I, I'm looking for ten and, and you don't have to have 10 of these characteristics. If we just have 10 people and one person has each one of these characteristics of righteousness, we can do this. You got it? I wish I had me a amen 
crowd. Can I get, just get one? Amen. Amen. So you don't have to have all 10 characteristics. We just need 10 people with one characteristic each. Okay? And we can work it out. Number one, first characteristic, love. You better write these down. You're going to need them down the road. This thing is real. This is not, we're not playing around. This is not just a message. We're talking about how to save our city, how to save our nation. Love, Matthew 22, 34, 34, 39 at home. Write these down. You're going to need them down the road. Jesus replied, one of the Pharisees asked him, he says, um, you know, what, what is the greatest commandment? And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Love, that you would love the Lord. And the second is the addendum to it. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Y'all are just quiet. Because we, a lot of us, we have this interpretation of what we think love looks like. And he says, if you love me, how can you love a God that you've never seen and hate your brother, hate anybody? He says, if you say that you love God, and this is what people do. He said, I love God. And it's almost like one person saying, I apple God. And the other person saying, I orange God. And somebody says, God is my grapefruit. We're not talking about the same thing. Can I get an amen? amen? We interpret love outside of his word. And God says, this is what love looks like. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And one of the Pharisees, one of the legalistic Pharisees says, well, who is my neighbor? Which brings me to the second characteristic of righteousness, compassion. Compassion. It says this in Luke 10, 33 and 34. It says, but a certain Samaritan, <laughs> as he journeyed, came where this wounded man was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. He set him on his own animal and he brought him to the inn and took him in. And he said, whatever the bill is, I'll pay it. So love doesn't work. What does love look like? Love is compassion. And I love the Samaritan. And Jesus, you know, he, listen, he, he doesn't mind stirring the pot and causing dissension. Because he's talking to the Jews. And the Jews hate Samaritans. They hated them, okay? You talk about a race war. I'm telling you, this, they, they didn't like, so Jesus says, a good Samaritan, so from the Jews' perspective, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Are you kidding me? So they're taken back already. But Jesus said, but a good Samaritan, he sees a man wounded. He doesn't ask him if he's rich, if he's poor, if he's a believer, if he's not believer, if he's black, brown, white, yellow, red, he doesn't look at any of that. He just sees someone who is wounded that needs help. And he has compassion on him. Let me ask you this. What is going on in your life, in your world, that makes you weep? What do you see going on 
that brings so much sorrow because I'm telling you every time I go anywhere near four blocks to my house and I see those homeless tents every time I, I can't even go down to Los Angeles in the downtown anymore because it just breaks my heart it looks like a parade is taking place people just camped out on the sidewalks on the street and I'm like God all these empty buildings that we have in Los Angeles why can't we put these people outside last year last week when it was cold and it was rainy and I just thought about all those people sitting on the sidewalks little children living in cars living you know if what breaks your heart what makes you sad that's going on in your city in your community in your nation what is breaking your heart there has to be something that makes you sorrowful because that is what triggers our compassion just one hand wave let me know whether I should stay or go so we need someone who has love who has enough love for God that he will love his neighbor as himself regardless to who what where they are I'm telling you I you know I have <laughs> I have a situation I know this is controversial but it's okay but I'm just trying to tell you uh, we have a, a couple in our community on our block they're same-sex couple this is not an endorsement but this is what I'm trying to tell you about how we treat people same-sex couple and on the sidewalks on both sides of the street it used to be like you know just some dirt and stuff and one of the guys in the same-sex marriage whatever it is is a gardener and this guy planted trees and plants and made the street the interest street beautiful okay it's beautiful you know what I did I knocked on his door and I took him a gift and I thanked him I said you know what I like to walk in my neighborhood now I like to walk up and down the street because all these beautiful plants now I could just say, well, you know, he's a gay guy, you know. I just said, and, and he's talking about, you know, they're married and whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know what? We just have to love people wherever they are because of the one thing that I don't want my neighbor to think is that as a Christian woman that I hate him. That's what I don't want. Do I agree with homosexuality? I'll openly say, no, I don't. Same-sex marriage? No, I don't. But that is not an excuse not to treat people with love. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I know that's controversial. Deal with it, okay? But we've got to have love. We've got to have compassion for everybody. We've got to love our neighbors no matter who they are because by loving them, we demonstrate the love of God so that if they're in sin, they might want to come out. I had a girl tell me one time, and, and um, she was in that lesbian lifestyle, and I asked her, I said, I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Why? Why would you go? Because I saw a picture of her, her prom picture, and she had a beautiful dress on and whatnot, and then, you know, now she's, like, looking like a guy. And I'm like, why? And she said, if you were in a burning car and somebody pulled you out, would you be grateful and would you love them? And I said, yeah, I guess. She says, well, I was in a burning car in my life. I was trapped. And the person who pulled me out just happened to be gay. 
Now, what if a Christian had pulled her out? She would be on a whole different, different path. So that's why we have to love people, because we don't know whether we're going to love them out of what they're into and into the kingdom of God, into salvation. That's why we have to have compassion on every side. Compassion. Number three. Okay. Uh, nobody's going home yet? Okay. You still here? Praise God. Number three. We need someone among those ten who knows what it means to live holy. Holiness is number three. Holiness. Hebrews 12, 14, it says, work at living in peace with everyone. There it is again. That's what holiness looks at, like work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Now watch this. Here, wait a minute. Here's the big one. Drum roll, please. Drum roll. There you go. For without holiness, no one shall see God. Whoa. You mean if I, if I don't cleanse myself of unrighteousness, if I don't choose to live by the word of God, if I'm not wholly committed to God, you mean I'll never see him? Let me tell you something. A lot of people that are faking holiness, the Bible says in the judgment, God's going to say, I never knew you. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Did, didn't we heal the sick? And didn't we do this? God says, depart from me. Now, he doesn't say, I don't know you now. He says, I never knew you. Meaning that you were faking it all along. You can't fake holiness. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Da, 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 da. And you don't love your neighbor? Your heart is full of hate and prejudice against everything? <laughs> and prejudice only means to prejudge. That's all it means. That you decide that you don't like a person before you even know anything about them. We're not talking about color. We're just talking about those who are religious but not holy. Well, they're not a Christian. They're a Muslim. They're a this, they're a that. Well, if you show more love to someone than what's being shown to them by their own group, they're going to want what you have. And that's what God says. Be holy. Let them see the example of a righteous, loving, kind life. Does it mean that we become like them? No. We keep our standard. We live by God's word. But we treat people with respect. God created them. And we treat everyone with respect. To be holy is to live by the standard of God's word without compromise. I'm not talking Sunday. I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. No matter what circumstance you, you find yourself in. Uh, let me just tell you this. I've got to tell you a quick story. One, one time a few years ago, God led me to go on a secular tour. It was secular, a secular women's tour. God says, I want you to go on that tour, and I want you to tell them about Jesus. And I'm like, God, but they're not church people. He says, I know, but you are, and that's why I'm sending you. And so I went, and I got a call. We were supposed to be in the, in the city of Chicago, and I told them about Jesus in every city we went to. <laughs> and we got a call that 
they had lost a speaker in Chicago and they wanted me to replace the speaker and they wanted me to know that the bulk of the audience would be black Muslims. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, because the speaker was a black Muslim woman and she had to cancel, something happened and I want you to speak in her place. And I mean, I really prayed, okay? Because we were talking about a whole big roomful of black Muslim women. And you know how black Muslims can be, all right? We have already prejudged them, that they are violent, they are hostile people. So I go in, God says go in, and my assistant, my spirit-filled assistant, we're walking in the door, and they've got their garb on and everything, and she says, Hassalamu alaikum. I said, would you shut up? She says, I'm just trying to be friendly, okay? And so anyway, I sat down. I said, God, what do I say? He said, just give them the word. And I told him, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you why the nation of Islam will never be as large as the Christian church in America. And they all sat up. And they're like looking at me like ready to charge. I said, the reason why you will never be as big as the Christian church in America is because you don't have a choir. And they laughed. And it broke the ice. I said, you guys need to get a choir. Get a praise team. And they all laughed. But when I finished that message, when I talked about the love of God, there was a lady who was the head of the women's ministry. She was sitting on the front row. And as I began to talk about the love of God, the grace of God, the salvation of God, and the power of God, she fell off of her seat and began to weep. And I went over and I laid hands on her. And I held her in my arms. And you know what she told me? She says, I was once in the Christian church, but they wounded me. And I decided I didn't want anything to do with Jesus again, and I became a Muslim. And that day, in my arms, she received Jesus Christ. She repented in front of all the other Muslim women. And then I found out that half of those Muslim women were ex-Christians, ex-Christians, who felt that white people weren't fair to them. They felt that America was unjust. They felt that Jesus was a white man. All of this crazy stuff that the enemy planted. But really, underneath it all, all they needed was the love of God to set them free and to bring them home. And God sent me on that mission to bring those women back to the Lord Jesus Christ. The next day, I kid you not, the iman, he came to the hotel, and he saw me in the lobby. And he said, my baby has two deformed legs, and I came to ask you to pray for my baby. The Iman came and asked me to pray. And I said, God, we need a miracle right here. I need a witness right now that you are going to heal this baby so that they will know that Jesus is Lord and they will know the power of the living God. And I took that baby and I prayed for that baby. And the, the, the father and the mother, they wept. 
and they went away. I just knew in my spirit that that baby was healed because the Lord healed my child of a bone defect. And I just called on that same God to come and do the same kind of miracle. So I'm just telling you that we need love. We need compassion. We need true holiness. We know number four, we need obedience. Jesus said in Luke eleven twenty eight, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We can't cherry pick the word of God. We can't choose that I believe this scripture and I don't believe that scripture. But this is what Paul said in Acts. He says, for I did not shrink back from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Acts 20 and 27. Jeremiah said, you know what, God? <laughs> I didn't even want to tell them. I didn't even want to tell them what you told me to tell them. But it was like a fire shut up in my bones and I could not hold it back. I had to tell them. And I'm telling you, you may get in trouble over the word of God. People might reject you because of the word of God. But when it gets to be a fire in your bones, you will tell people the truth. No matter what they're into, no matter what they believe. And you won't tell them your version. You will tell them God's version. You will be obedient to the whole word of God. Because the word of God doesn't come back void. When I told my sister about salvation, my youngest sister, she was on the phone and I told her about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what she did? She cussed me out on the phone. She did. And then a year later when she was laying in the hospital with a heart problem, she said, remember when you told me about accepting Jesus Christ? Well, I want to accept Jesus Christ. See, they may fuss at that moment. They may reject you at that moment, but that word will stay if you had the courage to put it out there and leave it out there. And do it in love, not judgment. I hate you and I don't like you and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. Leave all that alone. Because truth without mercy is not of God. You have to have the mercy that goes with the truth. So you have to be obedient. God is looking for someone who is generous. It says this in Luke 21, 1-4. It says, and truly I say unto you that this poor widow, widow has put in more than you all. For these, out of the abundance of their offering, gave to God, the rich people did. But she, out of her poverty, put in all the livelihood that she had. Can we find a generous one among us? One that just say, you know what? God, whatever you want, whatever you need, you got it. Because I'm not holding back from you. Oh, if the kingdom was generous as it should be, there would be no homeless people on our streets. We would get together and find a way. There was a big cluster of down in my neighborhood yesterday and all the cars and there were no parking spots and whatnot. And so I walked down to my neighbor's house to find out what was going on. He says, we're raising money for an orphanage. And they said, if you have any kind of jewelry, we're going to sell it. I went home and I got all my old jewelry stuff. And when they said, every person, bring it down. And I went and I brought it down. And I just said, thank God. Somebody cares about the poor. Somebody's doing something. It may not be on a, it may not be a, a one of those big mega charities, but you can be a, ch a charity of one. Last year, we just took water. I went to the people living on the street. I said, what's your biggest need? They said, water. We don't have any running water. So we went and bought gallons and gallons of water and took them out to the streets and gave them to people. See, you don't, you don't have to just be generous. 
Do you know what Psalm 41 says, 1 through 3? It says, blessed is the one, don't, don't miss this, blessed is the one who remembers the poor, because I will remember him in his day of trouble. I will prosper him in the land. You want to prosper? Be generous. And don't be generous so that you can get, I'm going to give 10% and I'm going to get 20% back. That's not real generosity. Real generosity is when you give from the heart. Faithful is the next one, all right? Matthew 25, 21, and his master said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many. What's that about? It's about the 10, the 10, the 10, the 10, the 10 talents that God has given you, 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 you. You may not even know you have them. But God has given you talents, and he doesn't expect you to bury your talents and be talking, about, oh, I'm so depressed. When is this pandemic going to end? I'm depressed. I just eat, eat all day, sleep, sleep, blah, blah, blah. You got talents. This is your time to invest. This is your time up and do something for God. Do something for those in need. We're coming into a season of Thanksgiving and Christmas and all that stuff. What are you going to, oh, we can't have a tree this year. Oh, what about the turkey? What about the poor? What about the shut up in prisons? What about the children that are never going to have anything? This is your chance to be generous. It only takes 10. It is the power of 10 to change everything. Be generous. Be faithful. Hallelujah. If God gives you something, be faithful to invest it. The next one, I'm almost done. How y'all doing out there? You doing okay? You're not melting? Praise God. Be faithful. The next thing that he wants us to do is be forgiving. Ephesians 4.32. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. You know what you do when you refuse to forgive? When you hold grudges, <laughs> you know what you do? You damage your own heart. You damage your intestinal tract. You damage your joints. You damage your own body, mind, and spirit by refusing to forgive because you're, because you are being ho you're holding on to something that is destructive. Anybody that wastes their time, <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll get to that. Forgive. Forgive. Do not, mm, just look at somebody through your mask right now. Do not harbor resentment toward anyone. Not in your family, not in the political system, not anyone, because you are hurting yourself. Okay, let it go. Love requires two people to make it in a relationship. You know who those two people are? They are givers and forgivers. I don't see any pencils moving. God requires two people to succeed in a relationship. Givers and forgivers. It's constant. You know how many times I have to tell my husband, forgive me in a week? <laughs> I mean, see, it's just ongoing. I never know what's going to jump up between us. You ate the last piece of carrot cake? I told you it was mine. 
mind. Well, you didn't have any seen any names written on it. It comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? It comes out of nowhere. And so that's why not only be a giver, but be a forgiver. Let go of stuff. Don't hold it because you'll hurt yourself. And some of you, you've been holding on to stuff since your childhood, since your last marriage, since God didn't do this for you. God didn't do it. Let it go. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now that you are loose from unforgiveness in the name of Jesus, that God will begin to heal you, that every time that memory comes into your mind, that name comes into your mind, you will refuse to let it live rent-free inside of your head. You got to go. You're evicted. You cannot hold me hostage to something that happened. I forgive you. Say it out loud. I forgive you. I forgive you. Just forgive and understanding that forgive that forgiveness is a process. That person who hurt you, it's a process. But it mostly it's going to happen in your mind. You, you know, see a yellow sweater. That's the sweater that he used to wear. No, let it go. I will not entertain the past. Hallelujah. Be a forgiver. God's looking for someone who will serve. I think I'm like at number eight now. Ten people, the power of ten. He's looking for somebody who served. First Peter 4.10, as each of you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. Say it out loud, serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. And then Psalm 100 says how to serve. Serve the Lord with, I can't hear you, serve the Lord with, don't be fussing where you're putting out the church trash. Don't be talking about how nobody wants to every time, every time somebody needs to call me. Why don't they call her? Why don't they call him? Serve the Lord with gladness, okay? Man, here's the big one. Be courageous. We need somebody in that tent. We need somebody with some real hardcore courage. First, chapter Acts 1 and 8. How did I have that kind of courage? But you will receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what it means? I, this is this is something's going to blow y'all away. Do you know what it means to be a witness for the Lord? The Greek word for witness is martyr. It means someone who is willing to suffer persecution and even death. Oh, we got quiet in here. But when you are courageous, you are putting yourself on the line. Sometimes it's going to be hard for you to be around certain people. When God calls you to turn, oh, God, what if this happens? What if that happens? Be courageous. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They will bear you up with their, your hands unless you dash your foot against a stone. Don't you know if you decide to be courageous for God, if you decide to go out on the front lines and do something great for God, that God says, do you know how send angels to protect you? They will. They will. Finally, this is the last one. Are you glad so you can go home and get me out of your hair? Be a soul winner. John 4, 28, 29. So the woman left her water jars and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything uh, that I ever did. And many, many came to see and to know Christ. Amen. Romans 15, uh, 15, 19 says, and they were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. Let me tell you something. 
when you decide you're going to be courageous, when you decide that you're going to win souls, Daniel says, he who wins souls is wise. God says, when you do that, I promise you that signs and wonders are going to follow you. And that's what we need to see. That's what we need to persuade people. We need to pray and comfort those who've gone out and had abortions. I need to condemn. They don't need your condemnation. They need your prayers. They need healing. We need to pray for those who are in all kind of relationships that are ungodly. Babies, you know, by this one, that one, the other one. And we can't stop caring about people after they had the baby. We have to we have to see them through life. Because even soul winning is followed by what? Discipleship. You can't go tell somebody about Jesus and leave them on the sidewalk. It's a task. And, and the Bible says, Mark 16, 18, and signs and wonders. You'll cast out demons. You'll heal the sick. And a lot of us are too afraid to step out of our comfort zone to do what is needed in this day. In this age. But Amos said, Woe unto him who is at ease in Zion, who thinks as long as this doesn't affect my family, I'm not going to worry about it. Second Chronicles, and I'm closed, 714 says this. If my people, come on, say it with me, you know it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, stop all this arrogant stuff but they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways everybody knows that right but do you know the scripture that precedes that let's look at second chronicles 7 13 it says when i shut up the heavens and there is no rain he didn't say the devil he said when i shut up the heavens and there is no rain and command the locusts to devour the land. And I send plagues among your people. That's what it says in 13. What's he doing? I'm getting your attention. Because you guys aren't listening to me. But if my people, and my people, that's not the world system. That's the power of 10. That's just, if my 10 people, <laughs> I'm going to switch it a little bit, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Seek my face and see what we're doing. We're seeking everything but God's face. We're seeking the political system to save us. Oh, if so-and-so gets the office, then we're going to be okay. Oh, if so-and-so gets the office, we're going to hell. There's no president that has ever saved you. They're only there for a short season. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't tell you to seek faces down here he didn't tell you to seek the proud boys seek black lives matter all the stuff that's swirling in the news he didn't tell you to seek cnn cnn and seek fox he didn't tell you that he said seek my face and some of you need to turn off the tv and stop spouting political stuff because hey that's gonna come and it's gonna go it really is and fighting with your friends and defriending people because, you know, you found out that they were uh, a communist, a Republican, a this, a, a, a Democrat, an Indian. Forget all that. 
seek my face. And when people come with that hate and with that smut, send some love back. Let them know where your focus is. My focus is on God. And here's the answer. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and live holy, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal the land. You want this land healed? You want to see this plague go away? It only takes 10 people. Where are my 10 people? Raise your hand if you consider yourself among the 10. If you're going to do it God's way. If you're going to love your neighbor. If you're going to show compassion to the point of tears. If you decided that you're going to live holy by the word. If you're going to be obedient to God's word. Not part of it, but all of it. If you decided you're going to be generous, faithful, forgiving. If you're going to serve God. If you're going to be courageous. If you're going to win souls. God says, I'll heal your land. And I'm going to tell you. When God heals the land, he starts first by healing your household. So many of us need healing right in our household, right in our own family. That's why I love the story of Abraham and how he bargained with God. Abraham didn't live in Sodom. What did he care if God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Why did he care? Because he had family. Living in those cities. It's time. He'll heal your land, and the land starts in your street address. God help me to be among the ten. The ten who are going to bring healing to our cities, who are going to hold back your hand of destruction. Because, God, we know, Father, we've seen you. We've seen thousands and thousands die. Around the world, we know that you have the power to destroy us. But God, will you hold back your hand? If my people, will you end this plague? If just I commit to be one of the ten who says, Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy on my family. Have mercy on my household. Save my nieces. Save my nephews. Save my brothers and sisters. Save my children. Save my grandchildren. Start with me, God. Start with my house. Let them see something in me that they want. Not me being religious and high, greater than thou and haughty. He says, if my people will humble themselves. If you will say to your family, I've made mistakes. I've been where you are and I'm still not perfect. But I thank God that he changed my life and I know he can change your life. What can I do to help you? Not shut you out. How can I help you? How can I be generous? How can I serve you? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord. We pray for our cities. We pray for our nation. We pray for our children. We pray for our spouse, Father. We pray for our parents. We pray for our loved ones, Father. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that they would see us among the ten and they would become one of those ten, Father. Because, Father, right now, we know, God, I know that you're my friend. I've got all the evidence in my life 
to show anyone that God is my friend. God, you pulled me out of the places that would have devoured me. God, you saved me when I couldn't save myself. God, you brought me out of all kind of filth and uncleanness. Why? Because you love me and, be, and you call me friend. Oh, God, help us to understand how much you want to be our friend. How much you want to talk to us every day. When we're in the kitchen, when we're in the living room, when we're driving, to just be there with us as a friend. We bless you and praise you. There may be someone right, in, right here, right now, or out there, and you need prayer. You need prayer. You need prayer for yourself. You need prayer for your family. You want to hold back the destruction that's hitting our land so hard. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet because I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, hallelujah. Just get to your feet. Say, my family needs prayer. I need prayer. You're kidding me, right? You're choking me, right? You don't need prayer. Your family doesn't need prayer. Everything is peachy dory. If you're in your car, I want you to get out of your car and stand up. Say, Army, I want to be among the ten. I want God to save me. I want him to take all of this anger that's swirling around me out of my heart. Just stand to your feet right now as an act of faith. As an act of faith. Just to show God, I want to be counted. Now, if you don't want to be counted, hey, I'm praying for you. But for those who want to be counted among the righteous, among the ten, we have one, two, three, four, five, six. Hey, we got ten people. We got more than ten, but we got at least ten people that are on their feet. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for these people that are reaching out to be called your friend. God, they need miracles. They need you to stay your hand that's come against their families. God, I know I need you to stay your hand against what the enemy has trying to loose on my family. And God, so help us, Lord, to live holy, to serve you, to be compassionate and courageous. Father, I thank you, Lord, as we give ourselves to you in faith, Lord, that you will bless us and that you will send deliverance to our household. God, we right now, we send a holy expectation that as you have stood this day and said, God, deliver my family, deliver me, deliver this nation from this discord and this disunity. Father, I stand, Father, that this nation might be unified. Stand in faith. God, we want to see unity come to America. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you. I give you glory and honor. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you are releasing angels, God, 
that you're releasing angels, God, that they're on assignment right now, God, to everyone who has their hands raised, that there is a divine assignment right now, assigned to them, assigned to their family, assigned to their loved ones, that they're coming and they're bringing healing, they're bringing deliverance, they're bringing salvation, they're bringing provision, everything that's needed, Father. We thank you that for their release is coming, and we thank you and praise you, and we call it done. Let's give God a clap offering. Let's give him a clap on. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Sister Terry, give the Lord a hand clap of praise for her ministering the word to us. She always provokes us unto good works, doesn't she? I'm sitting there crying because I need to reach out and love more <laughs> and, and look for some black Muslims I can preach to. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I've been, I've been wanting to go to speak at Christian conferences, but now i got to change that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Were you encouraged today to live a life better, more pleasing unto the Lord, that he's watching us? He's watching us looking for the 10. Amen. Praise God. So I'm so glad you guys came out. Next week, as a reminder, we're going to have a Thanksgiving testimony service. We've got some people lined up that want to give a testimony of how good God is has been, and will be in their lives. Amen. Because you know what? God helps us, and then he continues to help us. You know, it's not like one-time miracle, then you don't need another miracle. You need one right after another, don't you? Amen. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for those that have come today. We thank you that, Lord, they go in your peace and your love, your grace and your mercy. And I thank you that they can return next week to hear all the wonderful things that you've done for them. In Jesus' name we pray, and all agreed said, amen. If you need prayer for salvation, if you need prayer for re rededication, if you need prayer for anything, there's a phone number on the screen. Call us. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you and let you live for the Lord. Amen? Now, men, you get a chance to serve the Lord with gladness today. We need some help in taking down the tent. So if you just stay after, and we'll do that. So God bless you. See you next week.